Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, Pastor Travis continued our church's series on stuff with overcoming stuff. When you audit a course in college, what you are saying is that I, I want the information uh, from the course, I want the, the, um, the knowledge, but I don't want the responsibility. You saying, I want to learn whatever it is that the course is trying to teach, but don't give me homework and don't give me exams. I don't want the work that goes with it, I just want the knowledge about it. Well, you may be able to do that with college. But you can't do that with the Christian life. See, many people come to church and they, they hear the word. They come to be inspired by the word. But they don't plan on doing any of the work of it. They don't want to incur any responsibility of it. But they like the learning about it. Well, what you need to know is that when you audit a course in college... You don't get the credit for it because you weren't willing to put in the work that was required. Many try to audit the Christian life. You may like the information from the word. You You may now have more knowledge. You may even leave feeling inspired, but you didn't put in what was required. And because of that, you won't be changed. Because transformation in the life through the word of God must be activated by obedience. Without it, it is merely information without the credit. There is no transforming value. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3 if you would. Revelation 3, eventually we will begin in verse 7. In this passage, we are at the sixth church that the Apostle John um, has written through the inspiration of Jesus. This is the church at the city of Philadelphia. This Philly um, was located some 30 miles southeast of Sardis. It was a great commercial city with a major trade route that was often plagued by earthquakes. That was just the nature of the city. Inside of that city was a small church, a small gathering of believers. This small gathering of believers found themselves inside of a pagan realm, if you will. And Jesus speaks through John, through the apostle, um, to the saints that are a part of the church at Philadelphia or inside of Philadelphia. I want you to notice what he says um, beginning in verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. So before we even begin to really get into what he has to say to the church here, Jesus wants to take the time to describe himself. And what he says, um, little side note before we get into even that, this is the same thing that he did 
in the other um, letters to the other seven churches that we see in the beginning of Revelation. He took that time to describe himself to them. Um, so before we really get into what he has to say specifically to that church, he wants to take the time to do that yet again and describe himself. And uh, he describes himself as holy and true. Now, holy means to be set apart. It means to be unique, special, one of a kind, in a class um, all by yourself. Holy means to be in a whole nother class. So what he is saying is don't just put me in the same class as the other people that you recognize. You put me in a class all by myself. I am Holy, I am set apart from them. I am in a class of my own. In Isaiah 40, 25, the Bible says that God is holy. So when Jesus is declaring himself to be holy, he is declaring himself to be God. So we're not just talking about one of the peeps here. He says, you don't put me in a class with them. I am other than. Therefore, I must be viewed and I must be treated as such. Then he says, not only am I holy, but I am also truth. Truth has to do with absolute reality. He is saying, I am the real deal. Anything that says otherwise is false. And as absolute truth, um, he is saying that I am what you are to measure everything by. If something is inconsistent with me, it is not the truth. It is wrong. It doesn't matter where you heard it. It doesn't matter where you read it. It doesn't matter how long you've known it. It doesn't matter how well you thought you knew it. If it is inconsistent with him, it is wrong. It is a lie. He says, I am the truth. I am holy and I am true. Not only is he unique, he's set apart. Not only is he absolute truth, but now he says, I have the key of David. To fully appreciate this, you need to understand this is a reference to something we find in Isaiah chapter 22, verses 15 to 25. And what you have here is a steward of the house of David, the kingdom. This key belonged to the steward, but the steward was not doing the job that he was given. So let's just say he was laid off. He was fired. And when he was laid off, a new steward replaced him. His name was Eliakim. And Eliakim was given the key to the kingdom. Not given a key, but the key. Jesus says, I, I possess the key of David. To the kingdom of David, that is. I have a kingdom key. Notice it is not a single key because it is a master key. Anyone who has a master key can get in any door, right? All doors are available to them because they have a master key. So when the Bible speaks of a key, it is essentially speaking of two things, access and authority. And what Jesus says is that I have the access to open every door, right? That's what a master key gives you. And I have the authority to open them as I please. So when he says that he can open all the doors that he wants to, and he can lock all the doors that he wants to stay locked, he's saying I am in charge. Now, if you and I fail to understand that, we may think that the people with power are in charge or the people with prestige are in charge or the people with some letters in front of their name are in charge or the people with all the money are in charge. <clears throat> what he's saying is, I have the master key. 
They may have a key, but they don't have the key. They don't have the master key. He said, they may be able to open a door for you in your life. He said, but I can open every door. Matthew 28, 18, he says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. I want to bring that down to our everyday dialect. He's saying, I got the key, so I'm in charge. I run this. Or to bring that uh, Matthew, Matthew 16, 18 through 19. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to give them the keys to the kingdom. Now, I want you to understand. Jesus says, I have a key. I have the master key. But I'm going to build my church, right, upon the fact that he is the Messiah. And he says, when I build my church, I'm going to give them the keys. So he says, I got the master key, but I'm going to give you some keys, the keys, plural. So what he's given us is multiple keys open various doors. He has master key gained access to every door. Here's how it works. In the simplest, simplest terms I can put it, because I want to keep this kind of short. I don't want to go over, and I don't want to confuse you. There is an expectation that we are to use the keys that he has given us before he will come alongside with the master key. There is an expectation that we are to use the keys that he has already provided to the church. However, we have the propensity to try to mix the kingdoms. We try to open heaven's doors with the world's keys, and those two kingdoms don't mix. But when we use the keys that he's already provided, Jesus begins to move. He begins to move, and doors begin to open. And in his divine sovereignty, these doors open. And when he says, I open it, nobody can close it. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much money they got. I don't care how intimidating they may seem. I don't care where they work. I don't care whether they have doctor in front of their name. He says, when I open that door, only I can close it. He is trying to get to understand just who they're dealing with. So what's the issue? Back to Revelation, verse 8. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. All right, check it out. In order for his key, this key, the key, the master key, to work on our behalf, on my behalf, on the behalf of the church, he is saying, uh, you must have kept my word, obeyed me, and you must not have denied my name. So if that is true, then that must mean that there are some that don't see him come through. There are some that don't see doors opened in their lives um, because they have not kept his word. They may come to church to hear it, but they don't keep it. And or they deny his name. They don't want to be associated with him, at least not publicly. He goes on to say, you have little strength. You have little power. You are, you are weak. You are not all that. Or as my father-in-law would, would say, um, you ain't the bomb.com. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's pretty 1990, but I love him now. Good dude. I do love him. All right. He's saying you're not all that in a bag of chips. You don't have what culture says gives you substance or makes you worth commending. He's saying you are weak. But he says because you have obeyed me and you have not denied my name, I'm going to open a door. 
And you best believe, when I open this bad mamma jamma up, all the people with all the money and all the power, all the authority, they ain't going to be able to do a thing about it. But it will be because you have obeyed my word. See, people trying to get God to open up doors while disobeying him. They ain't walk around looking all crazy, wondering why God is not coming through for them on their life. The people trying to get God to open up doors while they are ashamed of him, while they are ashamed of his name. Notice that you can't deny God. You can talk around, you can walk around talking God this and God that all you want, but we're not talking about some generic God. Yes, God is there, but he has delegated everything to his son. It is in the name of Jesus that every name will bow and every tongue confess for the glory of the Father. So if people don't see our relationship with Jesus, you are denying his name, even though you may be walking around talking about God bless you every time somebody sneezes. In Matthew 10, Jesus says, if you deny me on earth, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. If you confess me on earth, I will confess you to my Father which is in heaven. So if you are ashamed of Jesus Christ and you don't want to be publicly associated with him through your words, but also through your actions in public, you might as well forget open doors. You're going to have to try to get them by yourself. I can only imagine... How foolish we look at times to him. All of our stuff building up. And we're trying to carry it all. See, what I imagine is like, I don't know, um, guys, if you go to the grocery store or if your wife goes and then you have to carry it in. But you know that you can only carry the groceries in in one trip. One trip. Doesn't matter. And I envision like a full, a full on um, grocery trip and I got like 30 bags in my hand. I can't even grab the doorknob, right? And this is all of our stuff is trying to pile on and we're searching for a door. We're just trying to get it open any way that we can. We're looking for somebody maybe to give us some help. But Jesus is standing there the entire time with the master key. Oh, how foolish we must look. Now I am sure... There are some here that say, wait a minute, I have kept his word. Now, I may not get it perfect every day. Uh, I, I may not live the perfect life, but I strive. I try. I engage in the battle on a daily basis. I am in the fight. I kept his word. I don't deny his name. I consistently, publicly profess him, not only with my words, but also with my actions. And if I'm real with you, Travis, I don't see no doors opening up for me. The um, founding pastor here used to have a somewhat of a unique style of counseling those who may be going through some stuff. Now, if you've been here for a minute, maybe you will recognize it. Say, pastor, preacher, I'm going through some stuff. He said, well, get busy for the Lord. You better get to serving. He said, pastor, I got some money stuff going on. Uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it, man. He said, you better get busy for the Lord. Get to serving. He said, pastor, I got some marriage stuff going on, man, and we're just, we're just barely clinging on. He said, get busy. He said, my leg is falling off. He said, well, good thing he gave you two. You better get busy. 
He said, I'm already serving. He said, good, you just keep on serving him right on through it then. And that may sound crazy at first glance, right? I used to think that it was nuts. It may sound crazy at first glance, right? You got all this stuff going on. Man, it's, it's really, really weighing me down. And what you're telling me is to add something else to my plate, put more on it. How is that going to help? I got, I got all this health stuff going on, and you're telling me to come up here and serve with upwards? How is that going to help all the stuff I got going on? I got these things happening with my kids. I got, I got real parenting stuff going on. But you're telling me that I should help with other people's kids in the nursery? I mean, it does sound crazy on the surface, but that's because we lack a proper understanding. Turn with me to Proverbs 3. I'm going to see if I can explain this thing for you guys. We'll be going to Proverbs 3, verse 9. Verse 9 says, honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Can I ask you a question? What exactly is fruit? Yes, in, in the Bible, fruit in many cases, it is money. But can I tell you that it has so much more to do with that? Can I tell you it has so much more to do with money? Than, than just with money. Jesus says, listen, try to track with me, okay? We're going to try to go fast. My mind's a little scrambly, I know, but try to, try to track with me here. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The branch cannot produce any fruit except for the vine, right? Now, the branch, don't get me wrong, the fruit may come off the end of the branch. Fruit, fruit may come off the end of the branch, but if it wasn't for the vine, the branch would be dead. It'd have no life. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. The branch cannot produce anything unless it's connected to the vine. So, yes, the fruit comes off the end, um, but it wouldn't work if it wasn't connected to the vine. So, uh, the things that we do that are not connected to Jesus, the Bible tells us that those things are works. They do not call them fruits, they call them works because those things are dead. They are not connected to the source. It's not connected to the vine. They don't have any life in them. They're called fruits. They are not alive. But when we, the branch, are connected to Jesus, the vine, now we are connected to the source. And the things that are produced by this connection to the source are alive. And the Bible calls those things fruits. Romans 8.23, just so you don't think maybe I'm making up this whole first fruits of the Spirit thing. And not only they, but, also, uh, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, what exactly are these fruits? What is he talking about? Fruits. I placed my trust in Christ at 14. I remember the day, right, at 14 years old, I trusted Jesus Christ, not only with, with my life, but also with my eternity, right? I said, God, I realize that you sent Jesus down to pay a price for my sins. I need that forgiveness because I am on my way to hell. I want to have a relationship with you as you created me to do. And I realize that only Jesus Christ and his blood can make that possible. I put my trust in him when I was 14. I am now... I'm a little bit older than that, and um, I'm now 33. In that 19 years, a lot of stuff has happened. It's been crazy. The Spirit has worked 
in me and on me in ways that I can't even explain to you. Anybody who knew me can testify to that. He's working in me and on me. He's chiseling away at things, even probably as we speak, right? Things that I can't even grasp. But what I can promise you, one of the things that the Spirit is not doing inside of me and he is not doing inside of you is printing off $50 bills. So what exactly is this fruit? Luckily, we find a list in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, we spend up our share of those fruits daily. Sometimes even hourly. I want to give a small illustration, maybe help you um, grasp kind of what I'm talking about here. Especially for some of you visual learners, okay. So we have our cup, okay. Our cup is full. The Spirit has come in to our lives. Notice they're colorful because the fruits, they ain't dead, they're alive, okay. The Spirit has come into our lives. Now let's just say, right, we're going to pick hypothetical things here. Maybe this doesn't apply in your case, but certainly there is something that I'm talking about that does apply. You're going to have to take and apply that yourself. But hypothetically speaking, let's just say that you are married. Well, you can just kick out a little bit of that love. That love's gone. That's going to take some work. Now... Hypothetically speaking, also as well, let's just say that maybe you got some job stuff going on. Now, I haven't always been a pastor, but I do know that when you got some job stuff going on, well, that's going to take a little bit of your self-control if you want to keep that job. Now, I, I don't have any kids, but I work with teenagers all the time. So let's just say you have a teenager. Well, you can take the rest of that. You can just dump that mug out. Yeah, that is gone. You can take it. Yeah, that patience, gone. That joy, Woo! That love, man. Woo! Here's what we do. We walk around and we say, you know what? The cup is empty. So we're searching for doors. We're searching for ways. I say, man, please, could you refill my cup? Please, could you open the door for me? Please, anybody open the door. And we're searching. We're trying to get the door open. But Jesus says, Jesus, he says, look, I am the source. And if you will honor me with your first fruits, I am going to open a door. And you understand when I open that door, ain't nobody going to be able to do nothing about it. And his bucket don't run empty. Do you understand? He says, if you will honor me, if you will honor me, not just when it's convenient, not just when you feel like it, not just when we wake up feeling good. He says, I will, Proverbs 3.10, I'm going to overflow it. But he ain't talking about money. I don't know who's going to clean up all these Skittles, man. Oh, my gosh. Jesus says, look, I am holy. I am true. I got the master key. I run this. I am in control. I am the source. I am the vine. And if you keep my word, you proclaim my name, not only with your speech, but also with your actions, I will open doors that no one can shut. Look, you got some stuff in the past that keeps coming up, biting you in the rear. He said, you best believe I can shut that door too. And when I shut it, ain't nobody going to be able to open it. Turn back with me to Revelation 3, if you will.
while we're turning. Don't nobody tell Pastor I dumb skittled all of them. Ooh-wee. Revelation 3. I want you to skip down with me to verse 12. And we'll try to wrap this thing up. Verse 12. He says, him that overcometh. Overcome what? Back in verse 11, he tells them to hold fast. Hold fast. You hold on. Now in verse 12, he says, him that overcometh. Overcome what? The tendency to stop obeying and to start denying. Okay, so he says, him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of God? And he shall go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my name. So what is his name? Name, name, name. I'm going to write upon him my name, my name. What does this mean? All this references, name, name, name. If you go to the game next week, let's just pretend that you had enough money to waste to go see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. <laughs> you go to the game next week. You'll see a few different kinds of folks. Well, you got you got you got folks sitting in the stands. Now, now we don't know their name, but they are there. In fact, that is the majority of the people in the building. They are in the stands, right? Um, they are there, just part of the crowd, right? We don't we don't know their name. Now, when it comes to the players, we know their name. Well, kind of, sorta, maybe a little. Because if I were to ask you the name of the left tackle, you may not be able to do that. And if I were to ask you the name of the punter or the placeholder, you may not be able to do that either. But it's not because they don't have a name. They have a name because they're on team. But the position that they play um, is, is a little less uh, high profile, right? They're still important. They're still part of the team. And, and still, maybe some of us know um, their name. But now, when you upgrade... And suddenly you get to talking about quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs. Um, now, all of a sudden, you know those names because those names have achieved a little bit of a greater name because of the role that they play um, on the team, because of the position that they play, right? It's a little more public. But then, not only do you have the people in the stands and you have the players, right, some more nameless than others, but then you got the ring of honor. Those are the people that have made a name. They have made a name, and they ain't going nowhere. See, the players, they come and go. But the ring of honor, it stays there. And they have made a name because over and over again, they overcame. Over and over again, they held fast. Over time, they played even when it was tough. Over time, they played even though it was raining outside. Over time, they played even though they were a little bit injured. Over time, they played even though they were sick. In fact... Not only are the names in the ring of honor, but their names are in Canton, Ohio, in a bust at the Hall of Fame. Because over time they held fast. And now generation after generation will be able to come and know their name because of the role that they played. Because they held fast and they overcame. All right. Now, God has a lot of Christians just want to sit in the crowd. A lot of people just want to come to the game. They just want to come to the show. 
Now, they're not here to get dirty. They're not here to incur any responsibility, and that's because they don't plan on participating. They're not going to get blocked. They're not going to get tackled. They ain't going to end up a little bloody. They ain't going to end up messed up. They came for the show. They came to hear maybe what the preacher was preaching, maybe what the praise team was singing, maybe if Jared was ever going to wear that suit again he wore on Christmas Eve, right? They just came for the show. They're not here to participate. But then you got some people who are not happy with sitting in the stands. So they want to get out on the field. They want to play their role serving. They want to play a role giving back to the Lord. They want to play a role um, praising his name. They want to play a role being in their spot where they need him, whether it's high profile or not. They want to come out of the stands and they want to play the game. But then you got some superstars. These are the people that are over time they're superstars because you can always count on them. Over time, you know they're going to be here because they're here serving in the role. Over time, no matter how sick they were, they still made it. Over time, whether they felt like coming or not, they still made it here, right? And those are the people that you can depend on because you know they're going to be here. And some of them, more nameless than others, I get it. Um, but that is because the position that they're playing. If you want to get to the end. If you want to get to the end of the game, and you want to hear God say to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. If you want to see him call you out of the crowd in front of all of heaven and declare unto them that you are one of his choicest servants, I just want to challenge you this morning, come on out of stands. I want to challenge you this morning, come and get down on the field. Now, I got to tell you the truth of the matter is, you're going to get a little bit dirty on the field. You're going to get blocked a little bit down here on the field. You might even get tackled a little bit down here on the field. But can I tell you something? When they start handing out championship rings, you're going to get a championship ring because you are a champion of the faith. God says... Let us get busy. Let us get busy serving the Lord, glorifying the Lord, obeying the Lord, not denying the Lord. And before you know it, the things uh, that once weighed you down, the stuff that once weighed you down so much, you'll forget that you even had stuff to overcome in the first place. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.